Hi, welcome to yet another edition of What's Next, Porto Business School's podcast on the future of business, the future of technology, the future of humankind. Um, today, and as usual, we have what I think is a great guest, and we are really pleased to welcome Silvio Meira uh, on the show. Silvio Meira is a scientist, a professor, and an entrepreneur from Brazil. Uh, he comes from the, um, from the computer science area, and um, he was one of the founding fathers of the Porto Digital uh, Strategy, the Recife ecosystem tech ecosystem that is blossoming and super vibrant, but he's also the founder of uh, Cesar, the founder of Genomica, and lately focusing his attentions mainly on the digitalstrategy.company, uh, a new endeavor focused on exactly, I think, what it is. It's a good name, Digital Strategy. Yes. Um, welcome, Silvio. Silvio, it's a great pleasure to have you on board. It's um, great to be here. Thanks and, for the invitation. Ah, it's, it's, it's really a pleasure. And I'm going to start by reading uh, directly from your blog. Right. Um, it doesn't matter to try to convince the vast majority of organizations to act in order to prevent their death. Uh, in more than one way, that will be their faith. They will die. They are designed to fulfill it. As more sophisticated it is the governance system, and as better the re their present results are, the more the organization is prepared not to survive to this big transition. Yes. What do you mean by this? Uh, what I mean by that is that organizations that are coming from a certain past, an industrial past, and uh, from ways and means of doing business that uh, have uh, led to some sorts of governance, very well established, high performance, with uh, all sorts of audits, all sorts of standards, they actually transform themselves, and especially their core, into something like, uh, that looks like a dead planet. In a living planet like the Earth, the core of the planet is a fluid. It's a dense fluid. Uh, you, you can imagine the amounts of pressure that you have in the core of the planet, but uh, nevertheless, it's fluid. It's, it's moving. It's changing. It's, it's forming or it's deforming itself all the time into something. When you have a very well-established company that went through all the changes that transformed it into a high-performance company, it's probably dead already. Whatever the change you have around it, whatever are the signs, the, the people you bring in, the consultants you hire, uh, it's very likely that a lot of people within the organization that are motivated by and paid by the current performance system with its bonuses, with its... Uh, give-ins and give-outs and all sorts of stuff that happen within the organization, uh, they will uh, just enter a state of negation of reality. And uh, whatever happens outside, and I've, I've heard that from many CEOs uh, over the last 15 years that actually ask me, are you sure this is going to happen in my market? And of course, we are never sure. It's, we are never sure whether... It's going to happen now or in five or ten years. We are sure it's going to happen, but not now necessarily. And we, we are never sure about how it's going to happen, what's going to change, what's a new market. You think about uh, the news media, for example. The disruption in that market left the news media with the problem of creating and delivering value. And the capture of value went to the Internet in the form of search engines and social networks. So we, we never imagined that before it started happening. But it was clear that something was going to happen. 
And when you look at the attitude of the news media uh, about the time the first real search engines were being created and proposed, and uh, some of them were even invited to invest in the very first search engines, they actually discarded that kind of nearly happening reality as fiction. Absolutely. But don't you think it, it might be very determinist proposition from your side? Um, from what you're saying, we can almost... Uh, think that uh, it's pointless to uh, go through digital transformation or to any transformation. We should just accept our faith and move on and restart again. Is that your proposal for this for organizations? Is that what you think they should be doing, or am no, I no, no, misreading? No, no, it's not. It's it, that 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 post you you read very well in English. By the way, it's, it's, it was written Portuguese. It has a kind of a um, a joke behind it. Which basically means that uh, it's uh, nearly useless. It was written Bible-like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a, a kind yeah. of a, a commandments. Or, commandments, yeah. Some thought or some sort of a the apocalypse, according to Saint Silvio, or, or, <laughs> or some some sort of thing, right? So yeah. what what happened there is that what I'm trying to say is that it's it's nearly useless if you try to attack the core of the organization with a changing uh, proposition, especially if it is a sort of wide or deep change or a combination of both. Wide in the sense of changing a lot of things at the same time and, and deep in the sense of uh, doing a profound kind of uh, movement of, uh, you know, of changing uh, the fundamentals of the organization. The thing I started to believe in over the last 10 years is that most organizations that actually change, they start uh, on the borders where uh, we, we can find opportunities that are peripheral. And if they were solved in a digital way, if they were sorted digitally from the point of view of methods of work, from the point of view of technologies and business models that are nearly outside the organization, but at the same time, if solved or if some kind of value were created there, that would be critical to the future of the organization. Um, what I, I call these are uh, peripheral critical opportunities. If you find them, it's about magic. Because uh, that kind of magic that starts working on the outside of the company starts uh, contaminating the inner layers to the point that people start seeing in practice that it can be possible to effect real deep wide change without destroying the core of the organization that's paying for the present. Because change is about um, going somewhere you don't know uh, how it works, what it is, who's there, what's in there for me. And in, in, in most organizations, that creates a, a, a sort of a blockage in the immune system that starts reacting uh, in a sort of overreactor reaction mode to just about everything that means change. When it happens, the only way to go around is to start with uh, diseases that the immune system of the organization can't actually deal with. Those peripheral critical opportunities are about there. If you solve them somehow with prototypes, with uh, interactive, with uh, incremental change, then you can start convincing people. Because transformation is actually a cultural problem. It's not about technology. It's not even about business models or methods of work. It's about changing what the organization think it is in its market. Uh, it's not true, for example, that uh, companies like Kodak didn't see what was going to happen. They didn't see them 
in what was happening. They, they couldn't reposition themselves uh, properly in time or within time for that new markets, uh, that those new markets that were actually uh, being enchanted from the future. New markets don't come from the past uh, in, any, in any sort of uh, uh, significant way. They come from the future. You, you bring them to the present from the future. And that's the main difficulty. You have to create a kind of educational effort uh, on the border of the organizations for, for, for that kind of uh, process of transformation to work. By the way, I'm a member of the board at Magazine Luisa in Brazil, and that's what we started to do there in 2011 with something called Luisa Labs that had two people in the beginning, and it now has 1,000. So those two people were responsible for this dealing with uh, the peripheral critical opportunity. That uh, was e-commerce, was simple, very simple e-commerce, at the beginning, but uh, in a, a network of uh, brick and mortar shops. Before we, we started recording the show, we had a very brief, uh, I wouldn't say even conversation, but we talked a little bit about Clayton Christensen. Isn't what you're saying a little bit similar in the sense that uh, of his proposal of the theory of disruption? Yes. So what you mentioned, what, what you're saying is, is what you're saying actually that companies, uh, the companies that are better equipped to survive and thrive in this uh, day and age are the ones that are not able to change, but they're able to disrupt themselves. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. But in a different way, um, if you compare what I'm saying to what Christensen uh, says. Um, because he talks about the disruption coming from the margin, yeah. but he, he analyzes it from the outside and, yeah. and, and then the innovator's dilemma. It's yeah, about yeah, yeah, facing yeah. competition. Yes. From but uh, applying that line of thought to uh, the, the core of the organization, the disruption, if you are able to disrupt yourself, uh, to question yourself, starting from the margins, you might be able to, to, to be in a better position to thrive. Definitely. But my, my thesis and what I have from uh, basically a decade of practice is that uh, most companies that successfully change from analog to digital start from uh, the borders, from the out layers of the, uh, of the institution and not from the core. It's uh, very unusual for, for you to have a set of leaders that's prepared to change from within to the borders. It's much, it's, it's much more a problem of delivering power to the edge and waiting for the edge, waiting in a sort of deliberate, uh, strategic way and uh, creating conditions for the edge to deliver change, then create change from the middle. It's, it's normally not possible because of governance. You think of, uh, for example, let, uh, let, let's have a look at uh, most incumbent global companies in any markets, uh, in any market whatsoever. And uh, let's have a look at their boards. Uh, if you list the board names, they are not prepared to understand what the risks are, what the changes are, what the new foundations are, what the new uh, technological systems are, what the bets they, are, have, to, they have to be involved uh, to, to even to start a process of digital transformation, let alone to, to achieve uh, some kind of uh, significant results within a time, within uh, the allowed time for change to happen properly within a big organization. You know, uh, one of the other theses uh, that uh, I have been dealing with for, for, for some time is that if you want to change something, you have to break the rules in a sort of a, a stealth way to the point that when you were caught, you have delivered some results already. This uh, peripheral change or peripheral 
system of changes within an organization, but nearly outside the control of it, because you try to do it in a stealth, uh, stealthy way uh, from the borders to the center, is about that as well. You, 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 you do uh, the, all that you can at all times not to be caught doing change in a significant way before you have results. Before if, you cut, if, you're, if you're somehow caught before you deliver anything reasonable, uh, someone's going to kill the process, basically. Th th that's what I've seen happening, at least in Brazil, over the last 10, 15 years. Um, this, this leads me to, to, to the, the next, my next question uh, about from organizations to individuals. So sure. we analyze the boards of administration of the most incumbent companies all over the world. We analyze a lack of, and we, 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 we identify a lack of capacity, a lack of perhaps vision, uh, more visibility but less vision. Um, and, and, and what are the skills? What are the abilities, the capabilities that the leader, the, the board member, uh, but also the worker in this new organizations? In my PhD, I called it the new emergent organizations, sure. whatever. What kind of skills, what kind of capabilities, uh, mindset are you identifying on this next generation of, of leaders, managers, workers in this uh, company? If we could talk about current leaders, which are most of the problem anyway, because we don't have <laughs> the new leaders yet. Yep. If, if someone is uh, in, in any kind of leading position within an organization from, uh, let's say, middle management upwards, uh, the key, uh, I, I think, asset these days for individuals is unlearning, forgetting what you know. Because for most people, repeating uh, forever what they've been doing over the last 5, 10, 15 years is basically killing themselves as professionals anyway and also killing the company they are working uh, for right now. So unlearning is abs absolutely fundamental. Uh, the second skill is, is a kind of controlling fear. If you're going to places you don't know uh, the shape of, the, the context, the, uh, the format, the underlying theories and whatever, you have to uh, control or maybe even lose your fears about it. And then you have to learn how to use your intuition. Everybody's intuitive, uh, just about everybody. But if you, were, if you use your intuition uh, you know, based on uh, experience and the data you have from the past, you're going to, uh, to do horrible things about, uh, about your business, um, about yourself in the near future, and so on and so forth. There is a lot of digital education that people, of course, have to, to, to go to and, and to learn. Um, the most, uh, Is education doing a good job? No, it's not. We're not doing a good it's job. It's not, because uh, I think... Um, yeah, and, and the problem is most Because you talked about fear, about uh, intuition, uh, about unlearning, typically things that we don't work with at schools, uh, and especially we, at universities. You see, schools in general, they program people. They program societies around them. Um, a school system, an educational system, is part of the uh, is their part of the society or any society that programs people and groups in that society to behave according to certain kinds of principles, beliefs, and values. And um, uh, in particular, uh, most of what see most of what we see in any educational system in the world right now is a repetitive system that's repeating. Uh, beliefs and values and contents and um, in the case of business 
theories and practices about a world that doesn't exist anymore. Of course, that's, uh, you can say that that's always been true at all times, which is not the case. If you look at the um, first uh, Industrial Revolution, and if you look at the case of uh, England, for example, uh, in the, let's say, from the 1820s to the 1900s, uh, what was happening there is that the theories that had been developed in the universities over the a century before that were being used by entrepreneurs and technologists and engineers to cause what ended up being the Industrial Revolution. So the, uh, let's say, there was a duet. The university had done its job, and as most things that it was uh, doing during the Industrial Revolution were not uh, uh, about um, either technologies as such, and let alone business bonus uh, as such as well, it were about theories, basic theories uh, about the world, how the world was uh, supposed to be functioning according to the laws at the time, um, we led to technologists, we led to uh, inventors, we led to engineers to create the systems that brought about the Industrial Revolution. But then, uh, when uh, we, you, you take that kind of educational system uh, 150 years ahead to the 1970s, for example, uh, what we were doing was more and more and more and more consolidation of technical uh, teaching, most of it, uh, about uh, how the world was supposed to function. And then in the 70s, uh, something uh, pretty weird uh, started happening, which was computers, a platform that actually um, started uh, to penetrate uh, firms very slowly to start with, but then they uh, diminished size in the 80s with PCs on the top of the, uh, let's say, leading executives' uh, tables and desks. Uh, we connected those things in the 90s with the internet uh, and in the uh, zeros, uh, the smartphone came about and we started uh, 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 transforming the lives of people, connecting and uh, every, nearly every single person in, in the world that could have one, uh, 10 years later, had one personal connected uh, high performance uh, information system. And now we are entering the internet of things and all, the, all those systems are sort of uh, packed within a digital platform, a worldwide uh, connected, um, reliable, economically uh, sustainable in some sort of way, not always uh, that, that, uh, that I, I guess uh, we would need, but uh, in most sort of sorts of ways. And that platform is programmable. And the problem and the difference, the main difference of this transition is that when you change from say to from animal power to uh, steam you had a fixed platform it was a problem of improving performance and reliability when you went from steam to electricity the same thing more power more distributed and the uh, the, the, the problem we had after the transition was more performance more reliability less cost but now that's not the case the platform changes every day and it uh, kills uh, business models once a day. And it uh, creates the conditions for new business models to be designed once a day and more than once a day as well. And then all of a sudden, we are in this sort of ever-changing world that everybody else is programming, including maybe us. If we are not programming this world, 
we are going to be programmed. And there is no option for that. The, and that's the point of the transition right now. Uh, I, we dealt with the transformation, uh, but you now made the, the connection with the digital, with the technologies. Let, let, let's talk a little bit uh, very fast about the technologies and the platforms. We have this hyper-connected, combinatorial nature that exponentiates everything. Um, but and there are a lot of, uh, lots of, of, of groundbreaking technologies happening and being connected, but everything is, is changing very fast. Do you think uh, it will come a moment where we will consolidate and sta stabilize? And if so, around what kind of technology? What will be the main driver, uh, uh, if there will be one, that will be uh, you know the the engine of the of the merry-go-round, uh, where we will uh, I don't know I don't know consolidate this new era that we are we are about to enter. Or I don't know whether we're going to consolidate anything because you see that there are, there's this. So when this I becomes say, the new normal. Uh, this when, change when becomes I say the new normal. Ever changing. It's really ever changing. Ever changing. Because uh, think, for example, about a a company launching a new smartphone that has a radar that then can detect small, very fast movements. Then all of a sudden, uh, and that's true right now, right? Uh, all of a sudden you can deal with smartphones and create uh, a large uh, set of uh, new ways of dealing with smartphones with, in a completely different way that's going probably to, to uh, be the basis of the creation of uh, a very large number of business models as well. Uh, and I'm giving this example just to show, uh, in the case of smartphones, what's happening in the underlying layers of the global digital connected platform at all times. If you create some uh, new way of uh, doing, say, payments uh, that's either cheaper, faster, more reliable, whatever, uh, all of a sudden you start creating uh, a cluster of possible new business models that's going to use that. And Probably it's going to kill a lot of things that was happening already and were thought to be high, high performance. I don't know exactly where we are going to stop with that, but I don't see any stopping or any wall that we are facing in the future that's going to consolidate something. But you can, you can see some things happening um, right now that are going to change uh, our, say, near-term future in ways that we were not thinking in the in the recent past uh, say all things that um, are connected to money with uh, for example the central bank of china launching a, a central bank digital currency uh, this uh, november for all we know um, if it does that and if that uh, goes outside china it may be the case that all these smaller countries in the orbit of china would have uh, if that actually happened, I'm not saying that's going necessarily to happen, would have their entire financial systems uh, rendered uh, just useless. Because, you know, it's just uh, embedded transactions in smartphones using a currency that accepted more widely than their own currencies. Um, is that going to happen? I don't know whether it's going to happen. Brazil would do something equivalent. I don't know. Uh, the United States would. Nobody knows. Facebook would is uh, doing would, would, would do, yeah. and uh, Europe would let Facebook do. So it's it's not just technology. It's technology. It's regulations. It's business models. It's uh, a culture, of course. It's people willing to use this or that system. 
But one thing is for sure, the uh, possibilities of programming stuff are endless. And we are nowhere near uh, the point where we can say that uh, human creativity has uh, you know, consolidated what we are looking at the world around us and nothing, uh, you know, surprising is going to happen in the next few years. I don't think so. So with all this uncertainty, with all this ambiguity, uh, and also because one of the uh, one of the things we, we were created to do at the Center for Business Innovation here at Porto Business School is mm -hmm. to try to identify this signals amidst all the noise that's out there. I want to pick your brain. Silvio, what's next for digital strategy? What are you, um, among in the middle of all the noise, what are the, the, where is the, the, the guiding light that you're going through? What's next is re-educating people within your company and in the markets uh, for, for everybody to be uh, not only extremely aware, but prepared to uh, be digital in sorts of ways that we can't even imagine now what they are. But uh, think about, for example, the educational system. Uh, it's nearly completely analog. What we're doing right now is, yep. is just a radio program yep. that's being recorded and digitally yep. uh, distributed. But uh, there is no sign, in my view, that um, we are anywhere near the first 1% or 2% or 5% of change that we need to effect in the educational system for it to uh, use the digital capabilities that we have at our disposal right now to do something much more effective, something much more economical, something much more uh, impact that have an impact much greater than we have we are doing right now. So educating people in general uh, to, to understand what are the capabilities, the possibilities, and also the limitations and the impacts of digital, both for good, for the good, and for the bad in society. Uh, for example, from the point of view of ethics, from the point of view of data privacy, uh, from the point of view of privacy caused by the lack of privacy of your data, and so on and so forth. That's the uh, just the biggest challenge that we have right now. And finally, What's next for you, Silvio Meira? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm worried about uh, genetics. I think uh, the next, uh, let's say, the next big leap of digital is going to be digital over carbon. All that we are seeing of digital right now is digital over silicon. That's been the last, uh, say, at least 50 years from the 70s that we've been uh, programming computers for serious. And um, I think we are going to see a, a gigantic set of gigantic waves of innovation over carbon using uh, the genetic basis of uh, coding uh, life, of editing life, of synthesizing life, uh, with all its good and bad implications as well over the next uh, 20, 30, 50, 100 years. That's what I'm uh, actually studying right now and worrying about. Silvio, it was a pleasure and a privilege for us. Thank you so much. This was Silvio Meira identifying what's next together with us at Porto Business School. Make sure you tune in for our next show. Bye-bye. Make change happen.